Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. I want to invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2. If ever there was a day to preach from Acts 2, today's the day. And uh, as you're turning there, um, some of you may not know, I've um, written a book several years ago called The Supernatural Life, Bringing Heaven to Earth. And uh, I just believe in a posture of learning. And I want to encourage you, read the Bible every day. But to, to complement your Bible reading, get your hands and eyes on good books that will equip you around what it means to live a life that's filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, this book was written years ago. It's helped a lot of different people, uh, all about the gifts of the Spirit, how to move in power and faith, how to see God move supernaturally in our lives. And I'd encourage you to grab that in our resource centre. In fact, um, let's give this away. If you uh, uh, were new here today for the first time, there's a few people here. Just, I'd love to give this to someone new. Yep, this lady right here. Yep, awesome. Awesome. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And I know we've been clapping a lot, but I think that our worship team and our production team needs us to put our hands together. They've done an amazing, amazing, amazing job. Who thinks we should have the choir up every single week? Every single week. I love it. It was powerful. It's going to happen. Pastor Joel, wherever you are, Pastor Stacey, make it happen. Okay, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and Residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said they are filled with new wine. Whenever there is a genuine move of God, there'll always be the mockers and people who will try and pour water on the fire of Pentecost. It's just part and parcel. If you ever get persecuted or criticised or joked about because of your faith and fervency for the things of God, don't be, uh, think that you're an exception to the rule. Wherever God moves, there are mockers. It's just part of the lane. And so they're filled with new wine. Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, 
since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is that which was uttered through the prophet Joel. I love that. This is that. That in the last days it shall be, God declares, <coughs> that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapour of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. For the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I wanna speak to you today on the subject when the day of Pentecost arrived. When the day of Pentecost arrived. Many, many years ago when I was six years of age, I found myself in a little Salvation Army church in Kalgoorlie, Western Australia. My parents were pastoring there for three years, originally born and raised in Melbourne, but we were there for three years. And as I was there in this night service on a Sunday night, my father had just been preaching about the person and power of the Holy Spirit. And even though I was six years old, there was this hunger and this desire and this thirst within me, this childlike faith for more of God. See, the Bible says, unless you become like a little child, you will not enter or receive the Kingdom of God. No matter how old you get, no matter how experienced you are, no matter how many churches you may or may not have been to, don't ever lose childlike faith. Because in that six-year-old mind and heart was this desire for more of Jesus. I didn't know what it all meant. I didn't know necessarily how to articulate it, but I knew that I wanted more of Him. And as much as you've had an experience of God, you can always upgrade in Pentecost. You can always be filled with a new infilling of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And at six years of age, I got out of that seat at the altar call and I went and knelt at the altar with just a few others. And a man of God came and laid his hand upon my head. And all of a sudden, as I lifted my arms in that moment, I felt a tangible change in my body. I felt my body start to heat up. Why is it that we are so afraid of feeling the presence of God? Where did we get this idea from that it all has to just be cerebral and in your head and, and yet God made you mind, body and spirit. He made you with a soul, mind, emotions and will. He made you to be able to have senses that can sense natural things. Well, so too you can sense supernatural things. And as I began to pray, my body began to heat up and I felt this inner compulsion in my spirit, in the depths of my being to begin to open up my mouth. And as I opened up my mouth, bubbled forth rivers of living water, a new language of heaven began to gush forth out of my mouth, a language I hadn't learned, a language I hadn't prepared, I hadn't been tutored in. It was the tutor of the Holy Spirit who was touching my mouth with burning coals and something came out that from that day to this day, I have been consciously aware of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I felt Him this morning. I feel Him right now. You're probably feeling Him right now too. There's something in the atmosphere that happens when we open up our hearts in faith. 
That experience was known as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Just as we're baptised in water, so too are we fully immersed in the person of the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist said in Matthew 3.11, I baptise you with water for repentance, but there is one coming after me that I am unworthy to untie his shoes. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And another name for the baptism of the Spirit is the promise of the Father. 1,000 years before the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, the prophet Joel prophesied, and we read it in Acts 2, that there was coming a day when the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon all flesh, not just upon select people, priests, prophets and kings to serve the purpose of their office and assignment, but that sons and daughters would prophesy, male and female servants would prophesy, young and old would see visions and dreams and everyone in between would have an encounter with the living God, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when Jesus came, he said to the disciples, don't you dare leave Jerusalem because in just a few days from now, if you would posture yourself and prepare in prayer in that upper room, I'm gonna send the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the church is gonna be birthed and you're gonna go out clothed with power from on high and you're gonna do what I've called you to do. But you can't do it in your own strength. You need supernatural clothing. You need supernatural infilling. You need supernatural power. And the disciples obeyed Jesus. I'm believing for a church that will simply obey what Jesus says to do. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them and teaching them to obey. What we're doing here at Numa is simply pointing you to Jesus, encouraging and teaching you around the teachings of Jesus. And our response is one of yes and amen. I will simply obey what you've asked me to do. But you can't do that in your own power. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. And so they go into the upper room and the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the disciples in that upper room. 3,000 people were saved and added to the church on that day. And the Apostle Peter gets up and he declares in verse 16, this is that. That which was declared thousands of years before is happening right now. I want to declare to this house today, this is that. On this Pentecost Sunday, as you see people filled with the Spirit, empowered by God, encountering God, shaking, rattling, rolling if necessary, this is that. And we need not just another Pentecost, we need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church and upon our lives. You see, what happened in, what has happened in every revival historically since Pentecost and what happened on the day of Pentecost is one and the same thing. Pentecost was the first distinctive outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is an indicator, a precedent for every subsequent move of God. And so what we're seeing today across the earth, here at Numa and beyond, first happened on that holy day of Pentecost. Why is Pentecost so significant for us today? Well, Pentecost was a partnership between divine sovereignty and the disciples' preparation. There was this partnership between sovereignty and their obedience. The Bible says when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. So there was a time, there was a season. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, there is a time and a season for every matter under heaven. There are two foundational requirements and prerequisites to a move of God. There firstly is God's divine sovereignty. 
that in the times and seasons of God, God is weaving his master plan throughout the universe in order to ultimately accomplish the intentions in God's heart. But then the second requirement and sign is the obedience of the church and the preparation of God's people. And when God's sovereignty and our obedient preparation collide, there is an outpouring of the Spirit. There is a move of God. The outpouring of the Spirit wasn't determined by the believers, but by God. However, it's so important you understand that God won't move if we don't pray. Not because He can't, but because he limits his intervention in human affairs to our intercession. Intercession is another word for prayer. It's about posturing ourselves in prayer. And the reason is, is because God is looking for partners, human agents, create, creation, man and women who are gonna partner with him to fulfill his purposes on the earth. God's sovereignty will do what God's sovereignty does. But if he doesn't find willing and able people to partner with his intentions, things that God intends will be delayed. We see this right throughout the Bible and we see this even in modern times. In the Gospels, we read about when Jesus being the Son of God, the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. He's anointed to open blind eyes, preach good news to the poor, do mighty miracles and, and acts of supernatural power. Even though Jesus was anointed in signs and wonders. He turns up to his hometown in Nazareth. And the Bible says he could not do or would not do many mighty works there. Why? God's sovereignty wanted it, but there was a lack of intentionality, preparation and faith. What about in this room today, what God wants to do, have we come prepared for God to move? Have we come thirsty? Have we come hungry? Is there a posture of faith and worship and prayer? Because when those two things collide, that is when Pentecost is poured out again. That is when we see God do fresh and mighty works again. Psalm 110.3. I love this verse. It says, Your people will offer themselves freely in the day of your power. The day of God's power is determined by God's sovereignty. You can't determine the day of God's power. I can't do it. But I tell you what we can do, we can offer ourselves freely. We can come with childlike faith like I was when I was six years old and thirsty and hungry and say, God, I offer myself freely. Offering yourself freely is your responsibility. God brings the fire. You bring offering yourself freely. You bring what you bring and God brings what He brings. Joshua 3, 5 emphasises this dual partnership. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders amongst you. How many of us know consecration isn't God's responsibility, it's my job. I'm responsible. I've got an active role to play in my development and growth in Christ's likeness. I've got a responsibility to allow someone to disciple me, to speak into my life, to have a devotional life, to allow myself to be in a life group, get water baptised, go to Newman College, be a part of a team that serves in the life of the church. I have a responsibility, but then God shows up in His sovereignty and He does the wonders. Everyone wants wonders, but do we want to consecrate ourselves in anticipation and readiness for what God is about to do? You have as much of God moving in your life today as you prepared for Him yesterday. 
And my heart is for us as a church is that we would find that God would find us as a people that are loyal, prepared, postured in an, in an attitude and heart of worship and surrender, not just on Sunday, but every day of the week that you can get more and more of God tomorrow than you've got of Him right now. You can have more and more of God next week than you've had of Him last week. Why? It comes back to your posture of preparation. And as you posture yourself, As you take those hours with God, He brings breakthrough in seconds with people. That's how it works. What happened at Pentecost? Heaven suddenly invaded our earthly reality. Everybody say suddenly. Suddenly, I love that word. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. The power of God came with such force that the onlookers, the people around about the upper room, the people that were in Jerusalem at this feast of Pentecost in the Jewish calendar were astonished. They were amazed. They were bewildered and perplexed as to what was happening. And the manifestation of wind came from the impulse of God, not the manufacturing of man. In other words, we posture ourselves and open the windows of the upper room in prayer, but only God can open the windows of heaven in response to our preparation. When was the last time you had a suddenly in your walk with God? The reason why that's an important question is because what can happen in our Christian lives is that we get into a rhythm and a routine, which if we're not careful could become a rut, where we just expect the same old, same old. We're going through the same motions and yet we serve a creative, powerful, dynamic God. And if we're not careful, we can sort of take verses like Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever and think that applies to the dynamic ways that the Holy Spirit moves in our lives. That verse is speaking about the character of God, who God is. It's not talking about the ways of God. Aren't you glad that God's character and His emotions and His thinking stays the same yesterday, today and forever? There's a consistency about God in a dangerous, inconsistent world. We serve a safe, secure, consistent God. And yet how God moves in your life today could be different to yesterday. And so there's no formula or blueprint. The formula is Jesus. Follow Jesus, be filled with the Holy Spirit, do what He wants you to do. And if we're going to be truly a Spirit-filled Pentecostal people, which there is only one church, it's called the Church of Jesus Christ, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Every church actually truly should be Pentecostal because it was birthed on the day of Pentecost. There is no other church. It's just that we get our little lanes and highways and off ramps and we bring all our different emphasis and it's all beautiful and God does amazing things. But without the power of the Holy Spirit, what is the church? When was the last time you had a suddenly in your walk with God? I remember I was contending for a greater healing anointing for weeks as I encountered people in our church that were sick and, 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 and broken and doctor's reports and we prayed for a bunch of people today I love, as Pastor Stacey and the team is ministering, I, I really believe that it's not just in the Word or hands laid on, but in worship, the power of God comes to heal and restore broken, weary hearts. And so I was contending for weeks when suddenly I got this flurry of text messages and phone calls and it was a problem. My dad had been taken to hospital with an acute stroke 
two clots in the back of his brain. Now you need to come to hospital. Three hours later, rolled up. He has all the symptoms of an acute stroke. Cannot respond, looking at months, if not years of recovery. Laid hands upon him and 30 minutes later, a suddenly occurred. He sat upright in the CT scan, fluent articulation, returned back to the room. The neighbour that brought him in was shocked, started to tear up. Then all the doctors and nurses were shocked because when the heaven suddenlies invade your earthly reality, things that are outside of our logic and our constructs that we have developed in Western thinking actually get smashed by the reality of the power of the Holy Spirit. And within 30 minutes, full strength return, full capacity return. And 48 hours later, he walked out of that place with a hop, skip and jump in his step. Why? Because when heaven shows up suddenly, it invades our earthly reality. Sometimes things happen in terms of breakthrough through a process. And some of you are in the process. I know what that's like. But we need to contend for the suddenly interventions and encounters of God. Every person that came to Jesus got healed. Every person that encountered Jesus got changed, transformed. It should be when we gather together as a church, you should leave different to the way that you walked in. And it's not always incumbent and dependent upon the person on the platform or what's happening up the front. It's, it's as we partner together and we bring a heart full of faith, a childlikeness, a hunger and a thirst with the, with the ministry of the Word and the ministry of worship. As you get under the spout where the glory comes out, let me tell you something, there will be a change, there'll be a shift, there'll be something that moves in your life. And it's happening right now. There is a supernatural shift that's happening in this service, in this room, in your neighbourhood, in your street. But it becomes with a decision. God, I'm hungry. God, I'm thirsty. I want a suddenly from heaven in my life. Everyone wants a testimony, but no one wants to go through a test to get there suddenly. Don't misinterpret your problem right now. Could it be that your greatest problem is actually the doorway to your greatest breakthrough that God actually wants to bring us suddenly, but you're looking at the problem going, this just is so terrible, it's so bad. And it could be, and it probably is. But let me tell you something. We serve a God who is more than able. Is His arm not strong enough, not long enough to intervene in your situation? He can do with a twinkle of an eyeball what you can't do in a lifetime what he's looking for is someone with childlike faith who will say, Jesus, step up to the bat and hit another home run again. I'm looking for a suddenly. I'm looking for an intervention. I'm looking for you to do something that is out of the ordinary. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound. You see, if there's no space in your life, there'll be no suddenly. You know how you make more space? You get up every morning, you open your Bible and you read it. You know how you make more space in your life? You get up every morning and you pray. You know how you make more space to see more miracles in other people's lives? Rather than just saying, hey, I'll be thinking for you, you say, hey, can I pray for you? You know how you make more space? You say, hey, let me take you out for a latte and share my faith with you. I'm there again, sitting with my barber there yesterday. I just go every week to witness to him, right? <laughs> Literally. And this is what he says to me yesterday. No word of a lie, hot off the press. He goes, Corey, I'm searching for truth. He goes, I've been through all the religions. 
And I'm ticking them off as the doorways not to go through. He goes, I'm leaning towards Christianity. And he said, every time you come in, he goes, something shifts in this place. And he said, I like talking to you. We need to have another coffee. I'm like, yes, thank you very much. We will have another coffee. He is so close. You know what? When you go and sit down, have that latte with that person who's struggling, wrestling, searching for truth, what are you doing? You're creating space for a suddenly. If there's no margin in your world for the interventions of heaven, sometimes disguised as inconveniences, to your schedule, to your program of your five-year goal, have you got any room in your five-year goal plan for the interventions of heaven? Can I just encourage you something? Throw away your little five-goal list because what God's got for you is exceeding and abundant above all that you could ever ask or think or imagine. It's beyond your comprehension. He can do exceedingly and abundantly. And we're all there with our little five goal list. God, would you please bless my little list? And God's like, tear that list up and throw it away. I want to make you a world changer, a fire breathing believer. I wanna raise you up. I wanna turn you upside down. I wanna start a revival through your life. And we just want God to bless our five-year goal plan list. No, put it away. Follow the Holy Spirit. He'll give you a list that will make your hair curl and put hairs on your chest. And for the ladies in this room, that may not be good. But all I know is that when God shows up and you are in that space where you're like, God, I'm open, I'm ready. Do what you need to do. All of a sudden, things begin to happen. What makes a fire burn around a campfire? We know all of the physics and chemistry of it but what it is, is the space between the wood. You can have the fuel, but if you've got no space, the fire gets suffocated. We must create space for the fire, the spontaneity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Why have we sanitised the church and removed the fire and anointing of the Holy Spirit out of our services, trying to attract more seekers? I preach in a bunch of those places and they're beautiful, wonderful people, but the reality is the seekers aren't lining up at the door anymore when we sanitized God out of the church. The Holy Spirit wants His church back. He wants to move in power. The early church did not, did not sanitize the power of the Spirit. They walked through the doorway of the power of the Spirit and that became the very thing that drew and attracted people to the reality of who Jesus was. You see, at Pentecost, believers were immersed in the fullness of God's presence. They were fully immersed. The Bible says the sound of rushing wind filled the entire house where they were seated and divided tongues as of fire appeared and rested on each one of them. The invisible became visible. There are moments in our lives where the invisible workings of God, the presence of God, the sovereignty of God becomes visibly manifest. This is what happened on the day of Pentecost. This is what happens sometimes when someone falls out under the power of God. By the way, if you fall out under the power of God and there's no change, all you have is carpet burn, not a heart transformation burn. We're not just into carpet burn, we're into, Lord, set our hearts on fire. Let, let, let my heart, let my life, let my mouth burn with your presence. But sometimes God does strange things. You don't need to be freaked out about that because you've not received a spirit of fear, but a power, love and a sound mind. So perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. 
So we don't have to be afraid of the manifest presence of God because God cares about you. He loves you. He wants the best for you. What we need to do is yield our hearts to him. Yield our tongues, yield our bodies, yield our lives and allow God to do what we can't do in our own ability and strength. And throughout history, there have been moves of God where God did strange and unusual things outside of our control, (laughs) shock horror, and paradigms of understanding. In fact, in Azusa Street in 1906, the birthplace of the modern era of Pentecostalism and charismatic revival, move of God over the last hundred years. Journalists who were reporting, secular journalists reporting on this move of God had to prepare themselves blocks away to going and reporting because such was the weight of God's presence, the immersion of the Spirit, that they would find themselves physically buckling under the weight of the manifest presence of God. I remember the first time I preached at a a small Salvo church, about 100 young adults in the room. The fire and wind of God broke into that place outside of my sermon outline. Wow, shock horror. Does God really do that? Yeah, He does. And people couldn't even get into the auditorium. They were falling out under the power of God in the foyer. People started getting set free, manifesting demonic stuff and being uh, who were oppressed, set free. People started getting baptised in the Holy Spirit. This wasn't supposed to happen in a conservative little Salvo church. And people who knew me are looking at me like, who is this guy? What on earth is going on? I'm looking at God going, you're gonna get me into a lot of trouble. You better stop this. And God's just up there with a big smile like, you just watch what I'm about to do next. And then he moved again. And for all of our rhetoric around us pursuing the fire and wind, revival is when God's fire and wind pursues you. And it doesn't matter how much you doctor the run sheet or get all your ducks in a row, God will come and do something that's outside of our control, our paradigms, or Jesus, do it again. Do it again like you did 2,000 years ago. Do it again like you did it in 1925. Do it again like you're doing it this week across prayer meetings and people's hearts and lives. Do it again like you're doing it in Africa and Argentina. Do it again. Why? Because we desperately need the wind of the Spirit to blow again. Story is told in 1859, in Coleraine Island, a schoolboy was sent home for being naughty. And on the way home, an older boy led him to Christ. And such was the change and impact. He comes back to the principal that same afternoon and he tells the principal what God has done in his life. And as he's testifying, all of a sudden, the glory of God broke out in that little school. And all the students, one by one, started to leave the classroom. Whole classrooms would get up and go to the schoolyard. As they hit the schoolyard, they started to cry out repentance, fall on their faces, hit their needs. This is all documented historically. And such was the cry that neighbours started to come out of the surrounding houses. And when they crossed the threshold of the property of the school, they started to repent of their sin. And there was a move of God that broke out street after street as the glory of God immersed upon a property. I want to tell you there is something about this room. There's something about this property. There's something about this house. This is just a building. But when you and I get in it with hunger and thirst and an appetite for the Spirit, I'm telling you the Kingdom of God breaks in. There is an immediate intervention. There's an anointing that comes that breaks the yoke of bondage. Let us not become too familiar with the the, the presence of God that manifests in our gatherings. 
Let us come with an appetite. Let us come with a hunger. You see, the purpose of such manifestations is to elevate our consciousness of two things, God's holiness and God's power. Can I suggest to you that it isn't just the Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit. We're called to be people of holiness, not because we're trying to get something from God, not because we're trying to just get approval from Him, but because we love Him, because we want to be more like Him. The tongues of fire was the sign of God's holiness. The wind of the Spirit was the sign of God's power. At Pentecost, the church was baptised in the power of the Spirit to be a witness to the world. The Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And the evidence of this was profound, particularly in Peter's life. Here you have Peter, known as Simon Peter, before Pentecost, the word Simon means reed. He was like a weed, a weed. He was like a reed. He was probably that too. He was like a reed that was beside that swamp and that lake. And it's blowing in the wind. He had footy mouth disease. He was denying Christ. He was up and down like a roller coaster. But when he got filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit after Pentecost, he became Peter the Rock. And he stood up. And he was like in the original Australian 11 cricket team, he was, stood up with the 11 and was bold. And so there he was. That's just a little Pentecostal joke for you. And he was bold. And so he's there and he stands up and he preaches the gospel. And all of a sudden in that moment, it wasn't just a man speaking, it was the Spirit of God speaking through a man. And the Bible says that on that feast of Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit was poured out, that a harvest of souls were gathered into the church. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, fear turns to courage. Weakness turns to strength. Inability turns into supernatural ability. That's why Jesus said, don't you leave Jerusalem. Don't leave the upper room until you've been clothed with power. You need something beyond your natural talent, intelligence and ability to follow Jesus and live the life that God has called you to. Because there's a big difference between trying to Live life and chop down a tree with an axe as compared to a chainsaw. Why would you bother even sharpening the axe if you can go to the hardware store and get a chainsaw? And many believers are like, because of fear, because of all sorts of things, are like, I don't want the chainsaw. And God's saying to you today, the chainsaw is available. Why are you trying in your own strength, in your own effort to make something happen that the chainsaw of heaven in your life and in your heart can cut through in Jesus' name? You shall receive power, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the way to Melbourne, Australia. You see, when the, when the, when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart, there will always be evidence. You can't get filled with the Holy Spirit and just not notice. There will be evidence, there'll be power, there'll be boldness, there'll be a new heavenly language. And it's interesting over the years, if you've hung around church for any length of time, you'll know that there's been lots of contention and disunity across the body around actually what was intended to be a unifying sign, speaking in tongues. And you'll see that the reason for the outpouring of the Spirit with confirmed with speaking in tongues was not just about that moment on Pentecost. It was a reversal of the confusion of languages in Genesis 11 at the Tower of Babel. 
where men and women were building a monument to their glory and their might and their power. And in the process of actually uh, uh, trying to do something that God had not arranged, God came down, confused their languages, dispersed 72 nations across the earth. Fast forward thousands of years later to the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit is poured out, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one Spirit, and we unified around this outpouring of the Spirit. God brings the evidence of the sign of tongues. And those tongues declared to all the people there the mighty works of God. There have been times when I've been speaking in tongues, people understood the language. It was in Aramaic or it was in other different languages. And some of you, when you speak in tongues, it's not just a mystery, a heavenly language, it's a literal language. That if you were to be in that part of the world, they would understand that you are declaring the mighty works of God. So too, tongues is something that not only points to the mighty works of God as the manifest presence, it's something that builds your faith up. It's something, if you wanna be filled with the Spirit, if you wanna stir your faith up, the Bible says, build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit on all occasions. The Apostle Paul said, I wish that all of you would speak in tongues. And so all of us have this invitation All of us should want to. Why? Because it's beautiful. It encourages us. It exhorts us. It fills us with His presence. It's not to be something that we're afraid of. It's to be something we welcome. And finally, Pentecost had a divine magnetism to it that attracted unbelievers to God. We are living in a world where there are millions of people that are lost. They are broken. They're disconnected from true family. We need the divine magnetism of Pentecost. We need the Spirit of God. The Bible says, and at this sound, the multitude came together. Oh God, I pray in this house that there would be a sound, that the multitudes of Melbourne and beyond come together, where people who are lost and hurting and are broken find healing, reconciliation, peace, the joy of the Lord instead of the oil of mourning. Father, I pray that there would be a sound in your church a sound in worship, a sound from the pulpit, a sound that would draw and attract the multitudes. Do you know it's starting to happen? Literally the stories of people getting saved are starting to overtake us. We're having stories where people are now just, I shared last week where people who came to a prayer power service from an invitation from an Uber driver who needed, this person needed prayer, comes, receives prayer, then comes back Sunday night, it gets saved and comes back Wednesday night to prayer power, gets healed to the point they don't need their walking stick anymore. They could be here today, throw it away, literally threw it away and danced away in Jesus' name. Saved, healed in seven days. Then we've got people who, you know, at 10 10 p.m. at night, ministers the gospel, shares their God story with a neighbour who is gravely sick, leads this person to Christ, And that person at 3 a.m. passes away into the arms of Jesus. Then the the husband and this person and this neighbour starts to get saved. Someone at our south location who's been prayed for for 10 years is in the service, didn't put up their hand, but during the sermon starts to pray, ask God, come into her, her heart. And she says she started to feel her spirit come alive. Day by day. The Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. At this sound, 
The multitude came together. It is no coincidence that statistically for the last 100 years, the fastest growing churches are Spirit-filled Pentecostal churches. Why? Because wherever there is the power of Pentecost, there is a divine magnetism that attracts unbelievers to the sound of the Holy Spirit. And just as Ezekiel prophesied to the valley of dry bones and those dry bones came together on the day of Pentecost, all those dry bones were drawn intrinsically, magnetically, irresistibly to the sound of the Holy Spirit. And God raised up an army and I'm praying He doesn't just do it back then, but He does it today in our lives and in our generation. But the truth is that the baptism of the Spirit only comes to those who are thirsty for it. John 7, 37, the Bible says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me, being Jesus, and drink. And whoever believes out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. If you can do without it, you won't receive it. If you want to live life on your terms, you can. But if you can't do without it, if you're so thirsty and hungry for it, you'll experience it. Because the promise in Isaiah 44, 3 is that I'll pour water upon him that is thirsty, streams on the dry ground. I'll pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. If you've been praying for the baptism of the spirit and you haven't received it yet, delay is not denial. He promises it. If he promises it, he'll send it. It's the promise of the Father. Every father in this room knows, if you promise your kids something, you better fulfill it. So if he giving us Jesus for our salvation, how will he not give us all things? So I wanna invite you today to stand with me. And we're gonna open up these altars right now for every thirsty and hungry heart. And as the worship team leads us in song, just as we did in the first service, we're gonna do right now. I'm gonna invite you to get out from where you are. Every thirsty and hungry heart, every person that wants to be filled with this presence and this power of the anointing of God's Spirit, I wanna invite you to come and to stand at the front with me and I'm gonna pray for you and pray with you and we're gonna believe God to move in great power in your life. Because this gift of the Holy Spirit doesn't come if we don't need it. Well, we need it, but doesn't come if we don't want it comes because we posture ourselves, we prepare. And we say, God, thirsty, hungry, come and fill me. Satisfy this longing. So often we go to the world and we, we drink the dirty water of the world and even for a temporary moment it satisfies, but then afterwards that longing, that thirst returns. Why don't you come and drink from the rivers of living water? Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you're ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, 
I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.